And I want to introduce Pastor Lucas to you right now. Uh, he is a phenomenal minister and man of God. Uh, similar to, but not related to, Mike Connell. If you've heard Mike Connell before, uh, it's his alternate dad, I think, is the, is the, the way it works. But uh, Pastor Lucas was saved around 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. He'd, he'd been uh, addicted to drugs. He'd been tormented, struggled with mental illness. And he, was, he came to Christ and was powerfully delivered by the power of God. Uh, then he ended up, he became a pastor. He's a pastor here for a couple of years on the Sunshine Coast. Then began to itinerate right around Australia and then ultimately around the world. Spent the last four years uh, with Jürgen and Leanne Matesius in their church in San Diego, great friends of ours, and really moves powerfully in, in both winning people to Jesus, but also seeing people come to freedom in their life. And we've asked him this morning to speak really into that whole area of how we find freedom, how we connect with God, how God sets us free. So I want you to get expectant. Sometimes, sometimes you hear a message, other times you need to hear and experience a message. And I believe this morning is one of those mornings where we need to hear and experience things from God. So can we stand to our feet and at home right now, why don't you welcome up Pastor Lucas Connell. So good to have you here. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in this place. Come on. Come on, let's just give Jesus a big shout of praise. Whether you're in your lounge room, your living room, come on, let's lift up His name. He's so good. So good. Fantastic. So good to be here. And uh, welcome to everyone online, uh, everyone that's in the building right now. I just love your, your senior pastors. You guys are just so blessed. And, uh, you know, those that have just joined in Melbourne and that, you're part of an amazing church and are two of the greatest leaders on the planet. And uh, can we give them a big round of applause? Because they're just such exceptional, godly, amazing leaders. Why don't you grab your seat? Uh, I I'm excited uh, about what God... C could you just undo that for me if that's okay? Thank you. I I'm really excited uh, about what God does. I actually, just for those online, I'm originally from Melbourne. And uh, I won't tell you what football team I barrack for, but let's just say uh, I put my teeth in for the preaching. Uh, no one here knows what I'm talking about, but everyone in Melbourne understands. Uh, but uh, I barrack for Collingwood. But uh, don't hate me. So, uh, look, uh, man, online just went down by half. Everyone just clicked off. But uh, I, I might get you to just play a little bit while, while I, you start and... You know, I, I really feel God's going to do something powerful today. And, and you know, tonight, I'm telling you, you've got to come back tonight. Tonight, we've got longer amount of time and we're, we're going to pray for people and, and, and I'm going to speak about oppression. I'm going to share a testimony of God delivering me of oppression. And you know, Pastor John talked about me getting delivered, but that was 20 years ago. But I want to tell you a story about 15 months ago where I'd been traveling around the world, but there was noise and stuff going on in here. And in a moment, God set me free. And, and so tonight we're going to look at that. But I want to share a message uh, that I call the pressure test. And, uh, and, and you know, whenever I think of a pressure test, I, we often think of something bad, something negative. And, and, you know, but the reality is when they do a pressure test in... Uh, uh, to, to extract oil from the ocean. They extract this expensive commodity called oil and they have these pipes that go deep down in the middle of the ocean. But before they use those pipes to extract the oil, the expensive, valuable commodity, 
what they do is they do a thing called a pressure test. And they ran mass amounts of pressure through the pipes to test them. And sometimes what the pipes do is they reveal crack, uh, the pressure reveals cracks. And when one of the pipes, there is a crack revealed, they don't just kind of grab the pipe and throw it away, but they send experts. They, spend, they send experts to, to, to go and fix, to heal, to mend the, the pipe that is cracked so that the pipe can still be used for the purpose that it was put on the planet to use, which is to extract and carry an expensive commodity. Sometimes we have seasons in life called pressure tests, but it's not so God can reveal some stuff in you and then He can discard the vessel, but it's so God can reveal some cracks so that He can send the expert, the Holy Spirit, to mend and to heal the cracks so that you can be on the planet to carry this incredible commodity called the Holy Spirit. Hey, let's give the band a massive round of applause. Thanks so much, guys. You can grab your seats for a, a moment. You know, I was preaching a little while ago in New Zealand, in Auckland, in a great church. And, and, and uh, you know, I'm kind of known for breakthrough and freedom and because of my story. And, and, and so uh, it was a Sunday night in a church called Equippers, uh, Auckland. And, and, and so I was there doing similar to what I'm going to do tonight. And a holy but hungry people come out believing for breakthrough. And when I opened the altar, there was a couple hundred people at the altar and, and just, you know, desperate for breakthrough. And there was this one young lady who I didn't know, but her friends had went and got her from the psychiatric ward. Uh, she had, was about 23 years old. She just tried to kill herself for the 10th time since she was 13 years old, 10 attempts. She had almost every mental illness that you could possibly imagine, but her friends knew that I was going to be there and they loved her and they went and asked permission to bring her out just for this particular night. And, you know, the 200 people at the altar, and it was just like to me, there wasn't 200, there was just this one young lady that just was illuminated to me. And I, I still remember it was a stage like this, a little bit higher, and, and I, she was standing there and I grabbed her hand and I said, I don't know what's going on in your life, I said, but you, I feel like you haven't slept well for more than a decade. She had also had insomnia. And, and I said, what God's about to do in you right now, tonight you're going to have the best sleep that you've had in more than a decade. And, and she's just weeping in the presence and the power of God. And, and God just absolutely, you know, just messed her up in the best way. And she went back to that psychiatric ward that night and she was so healed so normal that what they tried to do is diagnose her with something else because they said you can't be who you were yesterday and in the leading weeks and now be radically changed like this. You must have some kind of multiple personality. But guess what? She never changed. She never went back to what she was. She stayed totally healed. You know, she came out of the psychiatric ward and three months later, she directed a movie about her friend that had actually taken her life to bring awareness to suicide. She's one young New Zealander of the year. She's just released a book. A movie is coming out about her that Peter Jackson, who made Lord of the Rings, produced. She's spoken to the UN last year in New York talking about suicide awareness. See, I want to tell you that no matter what pit you might think you're in, there is a God that can pull you out of it. There is a God 
God that's going to use everything you've been through so that He will catapult you into your destiny. The pressure test. And I want to look at someone in the Bible that really went through a pressure test. And and he ended up with mental illness, in a sense, in the Old Testament. And, and that man is Elijah. And if you know the story, he starts off prophesying to a, an evil king and queen that it will not rain for you know, many years to come. And then if we follow his story, and we're going to pick it up in a moment, he ends up uh, at this brook where he drinks from the brook for a season and birds feed him from the sky. And then he goes to Zarephath and and, and a widow provides oil and flour. He raises a young boy from death to life. And then Elijah's life ends up at this pinnacle because the whole nation had turned away from God and they were serving the evil God of Baal and there were Baal prophets. And he, he says, let me put a bull in the, 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 uh, the sac- you know, to sacrifice and you put one in your pit and whoever's God answers by fire is the real God. Many will know the story and Fire comes down and consumes Elijah's offering and the whole nation turns back to God. They pick up swords and they kill all 450 of these Baal prophets. And Elijah has just literally led a national revival. He has seen miracle after miracle, a national revival. But then one word, one message comes from evil Jezebel. I said on Friday night, we can sometimes relate that one message can change everything. You know, one, one word from a doctor, one word from a spouse or some news about our children or a boss that gives us an email that can change everything. And this, 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 this message sends Elijah into a spin. He, he ends up under a tree suicidal. He's got depression. He's burnt out. An angel has to come and he says, you've got not enough in you to get you to where you needed to go. In other words, he's burnt out, he's depressed, he's suicidal, he probably had anxiety. He ends up in a cave which speaks of escapism. See, because so often when we're under pressure, we look for caves to hide in where we can escape so that we don't see the the pain that the pressure is revealing. And and, and I want to show you, see, I want to look at what, because then what happens is God speaks to Elijah with fire, wind, and an earthquake, but then the whisper brings him out of the cave. And then there's a part that I'll show you at the end where Elijah didn't 100% fulfill the will of God. And of course, he was an incredible man of God. He was an awesome man of God, but he didn't completely fulfill the will of God. And I want to look at what caused him to end up under that tree. What caused him to end up in those caves and what caused him to miss out on fulfilling all that God had for his life? And, and I want to follow that. And the, the first one is this. The first point is you've got to understand, it's, and I believe Elijah missed this, although he was an incredible man, but he missed the fact or he forgot that it was God's voice or word that sustains us. I tell you, if you're struggling with anxiety, this first point You need to eat this up. You need to grab this. And I'll show you something towards the end of this point that I believe will will transform some things in your thinking. But but remember, Elijah starts the journey. And and what happens is he hears the voice. It's not going to rain. In other words, it's a picture of closeness. It's a picture of connectedness, being sustained by who God was. And then he declares what God had said. But then he goes during the drought to a place called Kirith Ravine. 
And where, when he goes to this place, he literally drinks from the brook and the birds bring food from the sky. And what is that? It's a picture of Holy Spirit and eating the word that comes from heaven. And then God speaks to him. Remember, this is how he started in ministry. Hearing the voice, connectedness, closeness, eating the food that came from heaven and partaking of the water and river of the Holy Spirit. And then God says, now go to Zarephath and where a widow will provide for you. Just to sidetrack for a moment, let me tell you that your provision is most times where God's called you to be, not where you are currently. See, what we always want is, God, give me the provision and then I'll start the business. God, give me the provision and then I'll buy the house. God says, no, 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 no. your provision's waiting in Zarephath. It's waiting in the place that I've called you to be. And as you go, the provision will turn up. And so he ends up again in Zarephath. And what happens, He what, what, what does he live on? Oil and flour or oil and bread. And again, it's a picture of the start of his journey where he is partaking of the oil, the Holy Ghost, and he's eating the the bread, the bread of life. And it's this picture of Elijah's journey where he is sustained by who God is. He's eating the Word. He's drinking of the Holy Ghost. He's, He's intimate. He's connected. He's close. And that whole foundation of his journey leads him to the pinnacle where he leads a national revival. He calls fire down from heaven. And really, it's a picture of Elijah living out of the overflow. See, God wants us to live out of the overflow. In other words, He wants us to live out of what we've already put in. Let me tell you, if you go to the doctors and you get a bad diagnosis, it's so much easier to handle if the Word is already in you that you know God's a healer. Now let me tell you, if the Word's not in you and you get the bad diagnosis, the the answer is still to put the Word in you. It just works way better if it's already in you before you actually need it. And so it's a picture of Elijah living out of the overflow. But then this moment, and I'm just going to tell you the text. You can read it for, for yourself later, just for time's sake. Uh, 1 Kings 19, 1-4, it talks about where Elijah, uh, Jezebel speaks this message. And there's a moment where it says he was afraid. Anxiety. Fear gripped his heart. And he ends up under a tree suicidal. This is the first moment in the whole journey of Elijah's life where he's now listening to the wrong voice. Let me tell you, if you listen to the wrong voice, you will end up in the wrong place. This was the first time that Elijah ended up in the wrong place. When he was in that cave, God said, why are you here? In other words, you're in the wrong place. But when you listen to the wrong voice, let me tell you, we're in a season where the media wants to say different things. And we need to be careful that, yes, I'm going to be informed, but the voice that I'm going to listen to is this voice because I want to keep ending up in the right place. And then there's this moment where, in verses 5 to 7, where the angel basically comes and says, Elijah, you don't have enough in you to get you to where you need to go. And the angel gives him food to sustain him. But when the angel says that, what is he really saying is, Elijah, you've run out of gas. You've run out of petrol. 
what you put in in the beginning of your Christianity of those foundational years, it drove you to that moment on Mount Carmel and you saw miracle after miracle. But after that moment, Elijah, you've ran out of gas. And then there's this moment in 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13 where God says to Elijah, he says, I'm going to speak to you. And then remember the fire came. And then the wind, and then the earthquake. But then it was the still small voice of God that brought him out of the cave. And it's kind of unusual if you think about it. Because if I said, hey, Pastor John, I really need to speak to you. But here's three ways first that I'm not going to speak to you. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But that's what God did. Elijah, I want to speak to you. But here's three things of how I'm not going to speak to you. But there's got to be purpose in why God did that. Remember how he started being sustained by the word. See, what God did is he first showed him the fire. And the reason God did that is because Elijah knew about the fire. He had stood on Mount Carmel and he was the guy that called fire from heaven to consume the, the sacrifice. But what God was communicating is Elijah, the fire might have been what you did for me, but Elijah, the fire is not what sustained you. Elijah, have you forgotten that it's only me and my word? That's the thing that builds you. That's the thing that sustains you. And I, and I believe this is a greatest key for anxiety when we move from thinking that what we do for God will actually sustain us rather than understanding it's who God is and His Word is the only thing that sustains me. And it's even more than that, that what I do for God takes from me rather than sustain me, but it's so easy to start thinking that what we actually do is the thing that sustains us. But God says there'll only ever be one thing that sustains you, and that's me and my Word. And the more you're sustained by that, He then brings the, the, the wind and says, but I'm not in the wind. And why did he do that? Because again, he knew that Elijah stood there with a lifeless, dead, floppy boy of a body. But Elijah called from heaven and he saw a wind. He saw a breath come into a body that was dead. But he saw those eyes open because of the wind. And again, God was communicating to Elijah. Elijah, that might have been what I did through you. But Elijah, have you forgotten? That's not what sustains you. It's only my word that sustains you. And then again, he brings an earthquake that shatters the mountain because again, Elijah had been someone that literally shook political systems and weather patterns and he did it for God, but God was saying, Elijah, it's not what you're doing for me that is sustaining you, but it's only me. Elijah, do you remember the brook? Do you remember the food that came from heaven? Elijah, do you remember the oil and the bread? But somewhere along the journey, it stopped being about being sustained by God and thinking he could be sustained by what he did for God. Why do so many pastors have burnout? It's that exact reason right there. But in life and especially in anxiety, when we get consumed by things of what other people think and I have to be a certain something to make everyone happy, it's the same principle. Or I need to obtain a certain materialistic possessions so that everyone will say I'm good enough. As soon as you enter into any of that, you are now exposed 
to many of the elements that we now call mental illness. The second thing that I believe Elijah missed, although he was an incredible man, did great things for God. But the New Testament says he was a man just like you and I. So yes, he was amazing. Yes, he had great moments. But he also showed humanity just like all of us do. And the thing that I believe he failed, and we're going to delve into this really deeply tonight, but he failed, and this is so Pentecostal cliche, but he forgot the principle of new levels equals new devils. See, because the 450 bow prophets that were slayed in that moment, they kind of represent 450 individual demons. But they represented Jezebel, who was the principality and power that was controlling the entire region. And those 450 bell prophets were like her minions in a sense that were doing her will and at her beck and call. And so Elijah steps up to the plates and he kills the 450 individual demons. You know what happens as soon as he kills those demons? The atmosphere starts to change and it begins to rain, even though it hadn't rained in more than three and a half years. And see what it is, it's a picture that when a believer makes a decision that I'm going to fight some individual demons. I mean, my grandmother, she had anxiety. My mother had anxiety. My aunties have anxiety. And me as a wife, I have anxiety. But I'm going to be the person that says, you know what, I'm going to fight that spirit of fear and I'm going to come after that thing and I'm going to beat it and I'm going to come after it. And then when I win, what happens is the atmosphere starts to change and now it begins to rain on people that didn't even fight for the atmosphere shift. Now my children have the rain of heaven on them and they never know anxiety because someone stood up and said, I'm coming against that thing. See, I know there's two little boys and if you know, well, they're not little anymore, but if you know my story, Drug addiction is wrought throughout all of my history. But I'm telling you, there's two boys called Josiah and Caleb. And I'm believing that they'll never have to face that battle. Because Jackie and I made a decision that we were going to fight some individual demons that have been in our family line for a long time. And now there's two boys that are having the rain of heaven upon them that they didn't even fight for. But Elijah missed this moment, this point. Because you've got to understand that when you go to new levels, then you also have to fight new devils. See, sometimes what we want is when we really start to step up in our giving to the kingdom or step out in a new business or taking ground in our marriage or spiritually or, or, or getting into leadership, whatever it might be. And sometimes we think the devil's going to roll out the red carpet and say, hey, congratulations, just want to congratulate you on your new house. But when you start to step into new levels, you get the attention of new devils. And Elijah had faced the 450 bell prophets, but now he was about to face the principality and power. Why was it that her words were so powerful that they could cause a man of God to end up under a tree suicidal? It was because of the demonic activity that was charged within her voice. See, just as a caveat, because I need to speak to some people, because you need to be reminded of this principle, new levels, new devils, but not focused on it. 
Because have you ever met those people every time you meet them and they tell you everything the devil's doing in their life? Don't be that person. I am aware of this principle, but I'm focused on the fact that He's already a defeated foe, that there's a God in heaven. His name is Jesus. He's already won the battle for every victory that I have. But Elijah, see, when you are aware of this principle, you actually dig down deeper into principle one. When you understand new levels, new devils, well, I know I'm going to a new level. I'm going to get more sustained in that Word. I'm going to up my time with God. I'm getting in the Word. I'm going to meditate on the Scripture. I'm going to pray in tongues more. I'm going to dig down deep and be sustained so that I'm ready for everything the devil brings. Last point, just if the guys want to come. The last one is this, and again, he missed this moment, and it's simply this thought, you've got to come out of your cave and get real with God. If you're going to get freedom, whether it's an addiction or mental illness or whatever it might be, you've got to come out of your cave and get real with God. You know, I, I forgot to mention at the start, we actually have a, a, a tool if you go to afreedomexperience.com and, and we have a 21-day journey that helps people renew their mind and, and also helps them to have God encounter. And if you use the code right now, BLESSED, then it waives the $47 and you get 30 days for free. So just during COVID, that's something we're doing. So afreedomexperience.com, put in blessed when you fill it out and it'll give you 30 days access for free. But, but he, he failed to come out of the cave and get real with God. See, often what happens is pressure, like I said at the start, it reveals cracks. And before the pressure, I couldn't see the cracks. But now because of the pressure, I can't not see the cracks. But they were always there. Since the pressure revealed what was always there. That's why we have seasons where God deals with us. And that's when the temptation comes because when I can see the cracks of dysfunction, whether it's rejection, insecurity, low self-worth, whatever it might be, offense. And now if you think about it like an illuminated light where I've got these cracks and there's light bursting out of it, now I can't not see them. But always in that moment, the temptation is to find a cave of escapism. Find a dark place that I can hide in because I can't not see the dysfunction now. But there's some caves I could go to that will give me a temporary fix where I will be able to escape and no longer see the cracks. You know, a great quote of a Navy SEAL says, when pressure comes, you don't rise to the occasion but you sink to the level of your training. And what pressure really does is it simply just reveals where you're really at. You know, there's that scripture in the New Testament that says, uh, tribulation produces character, then perseverance, then hope. If I be honest with you, most times, no, it doesn't. Like when tribulation comes to me, it normally reveals a lack of character. You know what I'm talking about? When that person cuts you off in the car, did character just appear? No, normally a lack of character. But listen, God used the pressure to reveal the lack of character so that I could work on that area. And then in turn, tribulation does eventually produce character, which then produces perseverance and then hope. 
And Elijah ends up in this cave and there's this moment where it's the voice brings him out. But then there's this moment where God asks him a question twice and I'm not going to go right into that. But, but Elijah, this is where he missed the moment because God asked him the same question twice, why are you here? And two times he gives verbatim the same answer and it's a self-righteous answer. If God asks you a question twice, there's only one reason he'll ever do that. It's because you gave the wrong answer the first time. And he's a God of grace and he's giving you an opportunity to get real. Elijah, why are you here? What's going on in you that brought you to the cave? And there's this moment where Elijah missed it. He couldn't get real with his father. And I don't know 100% what it was. And he shows some things of family history and not feeling good enough and rejected. And maybe he should have come out the second time and just got real and said, God, I'm, I've got this dysfunction and I'm, or I'm struggling with this addiction or, or God, there's this fear in me and God, help me. Would you help me with this fear? And then God says, now I can work with that. But then after he gives these two self-righteous kind of answers, God says to him, and you can read it for yourself. It's 1 Kings 19, verse 15 to 18. He says, okay, fine. He says, go and anoint Elisha. Uh, then anoint Hazel, who will become king, and Jehu, who will destroy Jezebel. But if you actually follow the text, Elijah goes from that moment, and yes, he anoints Elisha. But then the chariots, he goes up to heaven to be with God. So he actually, we can see clearly from the text that the will of God for Elijah's life was to do those three things, but he only did one of them. And like I said, he's an incredible man. But eventually there comes a point, if you won't come out of the cave and deal with what you need to deal with, then God will find someone else to do the thing that you were put on the planet to do. And Elisha was raised up. And Elisha anointed Hazel to be king and Jehu to take out Jezebel. As I close with this, you know, the, the thing of a, a, a map, if I create an amazing map for you, and let's say it's a map of a city and it's detailed and I put a spot on it that like an X that marks the treasure, that if you can get to that spot, then you inherit an incredible treasure. And we plop you down somewhere randomly in the city. Who knows that even though you know the destination, the map makes no sense at all until you can find where you are on the map. And sometimes what the pressure is simply doing is helping me see some stuff that I can deal with that will equip me to get to the treasure, which is the destiny that God has for my life. I told the story the other night of us going through a, a real tragedy of missing out on a green card. I'm not going to draw it out, but four years of spending $30,000 and America kind of rejecting us because of a criminal history, something so minor 25 years ago. And, and, and it put me into a place of depression. I was a little bit like Elijah. Where I was under a tree and I was depressed. And Pastor Mike Connell helped me see some issues in my life of rejection. And, and I went on a journey, a long journey of dealing with the cracks that were now exposed. And I promise you last year between October and January, probably one of the hardest three months I've had in my life. Depression where I couldn't hop out of bed. But then, you know, March last year, we thought we were meant to live in America forever. We were coming back in May. 
to renew our visa. We'd come back for about eight weeks over the summer. But then COVID happened. And I felt, I woke up one morning and God says, go now. And I thought we were just going, you know, still temporarily we'd get our visa, we'd come back. But He speaks to me, He says, go now. Within five days, we had packed our whole house shut down our cars, our insurances. You think of your whole life and you hadn't even thought about it, but five days later, you're on an aeroplane and all your stuff's in storage and you're flying back to Australia. Then we get to Australia and God starts to speak to us and says, you're actually never going back to America and starts putting a dream in our heart for Australia and for the future. And But, but, but that's, who knows, that that'd be a pretty stressful time. Can I tell you, and I don't say this as a boast, and and of course there were challenging moments in all that, but it actually was really easy. And the reason it was easy is because what God did in us between October and January, and we went through this pressure test where He sent the Holy Ghost, the expert, to mend some stuff and heal some stuff. And now the pipe is just a little bit stronger. Let me, let me be not perfect, still a long journey ahead, but a whole lot stronger because I went through some pressure and, and I started getting sustained by the Word and understanding that there were new levels that I had to overcome. And I got real by coming out of the cave. I want to pray for you right now. And I wonder if you're in this place and maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe you're at home, you're in Melbourne, somewhere else in the world or somewhere in this place. And I really want to encourage you to come back tonight because we're going to have way more time and and we're just going to really, really spend some time ministering. So if this has triggered something in you, no matter what you have to do, get back here tonight. But let me pray. Father, we just thank you right now for every person that might be struggling with some form of mental illness. God, I speak to anxiety in the name of Jesus and I say you are a spirit of fear and I command you to go right now. God, if there is a chemical imbalance or some kind of trauma, I pray supernaturally that you would bring healing, that you would bring faith, that you would bring freedom in the name of Jesus. I speak to suicide. I speak to depression. And I say for you to come off in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I break the power of every suicidal tendency right now. I speak to it. I speak to every addiction right now. And I take authority over pornography addiction, over any other sexual addictions, over substance, whether it be nicotine or alcohol or drug. I pray like happened to me supernaturally right now. I thank You for freedom in the Name of Jesus Christ. I speak life and I speak freedom. God, just in people's minds right now, let there just be a literal shift, just a shift. You're not a victim. You're victorious. Not because of how good you are, but because of how good He that's in you is. So Father, we just thank you for every person. Thank you for freedom. We thank you for healing. I wonder if you're here today and you've never, ever given your life to Jesus. Just like me 20 years ago, it was a simple decision of asking Him to come into my heart that literally changed my life forever. It's not a promise that if you give your life to Jesus, everything will just be perfect. Because whether you have Jesus in your heart or not, there will be mountains and there will be valleys. 
But let me tell you, valleys are so much easier to do when He's living on the inside. And I want to tell you that God loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for every sin, no matter how bad you think it is. He went to a cross. It was God in a man. It was God in Jesus. Jesus was God as a, as a human, fully man, but fully God, who said, let me be nailed to that cross so that I could pay the price for Lucas Connell's sin, that I could pay the price for your sin, so that we could say that nothing would be able to separate you from the love of God. And if you're in this place today or you're online, wherever you are in the world, and you know today's the day you're drawing a line in the sand. Today's the day you're giving your life to God for the very first time. Or, or maybe you've come back to church. Maybe you've come back to online church. and You know, in your heart of hearts, for whatever reason, you found yourself away from God. But today's the day and it's just as important as you re-surrender. As you say, God, I've been doing my own thing, but today I'm handing it over to you. I'm giving my life to you. If you're in either of those two groups, whether you're doing this for the first time or you're recommitting your life to God because you've been away from Him, I'm going to simply count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand. I'll see it. Online, they'll see your hand. There'll be a button, I'm sure, that you can press. When I get to three, you lift your hand or you push that button online and we'll include you in a simple prayer. One, friend, I tell you, He loves you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been or who you are, you're God's precious son or precious daughter. Three, all over this place. Come on, lift your hand to heaven right now. Yeah, just lift your hand to heaven right now. Come on, I just see it right now. Come on, lift your hand to heaven. Saying yes. Yes to the love of God. Friend, He loves you more than you've ever dreamed. People online right now are just saying yes. Friend, He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And I just believe online there's people that have gotten right with God and I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. Why don't we all pray it in this room? And if you didn't lift your hand today, but you know you should have, why don't you pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Father, thank You for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Thank You that You forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Today, I repent of my sin. I give my life to You. Help me to live for You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Thanks, Pastor John.